Peter Williams from One O'Clock on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Elwyn Poole is a name you may have heard regularly over the years. He's a former school teacher and founder of what were then called charter schools, the best known of which was Mount Hobson Middle School. Since those, do- those days, though, he's become an outspoken critic of the New Zealand education system, backing his arguments always with data about the true state of educational achievement, or should that be underachievement in New Zealand. But he is with me today not to talk education, but rather an aspect of our COVID response, which he finds deeply, deeply disturbing, and which also matches up with some other official evidence which was exposed by the lawyer Philip Crump, a.k.a. Thomas Cranmer, back in March of this year. Elwyn, uh, thanks for joining us. It seems funny not to be talking education, but I'm sure we will again at some stage. Let us start the story as you understand it, what you have uh, found out or have been advised from a very good source. It is early 2021, early in the year the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern dubbed the year of the vaccine. I remember the time pretty well. I was getting grief from the management of the radio station I worked at at the time uh, just for asking questions about the safety and efficacy of these recently arrived mRNA vaccines. But tell me, Elman, what did you hear or have you heard from your source about what went on at that time. Yeah, so in in March twenty one, and uh, I, I, you know, I don't need to hide the company. Uh, I, I sort of don't need to hide the source. Uh, I have revealed it uh, that person to you. Um, you know of him. Um, you know his credibility. Um, but I, I don't have his permission to you know sort of speak his name in this situation. Um, but the company which was more important is a company called Regeneron in the USA. Um, they are a very, very high credibility uh, pharmaceutical. And there were sort of two things that came out of the conversation. One was that they had produced a remarkable COVID treatment called the monoclonal antibody, um, which, you know, even in New York City, they credited with keeping. Um, I just need to make sure my number's right. Uh, you know, keeping thousands, thousands of people, of, thousands of people yeah, healthy. Yeah, healthy, and and so this was a treatment for people who who had contracted COVID, um, and was particularly effective for um, the the highly vulnerable. And so that was the key point in the conversation. And then. During the conversation, uh, the person also mentioned that they had tested, because I said, well, why have you gone about treatments? Why not do what the other companies are doing and, you know, create a a vaccine? And what was then explained was that they'd actually tested and were continuously testing the mRNAs against transmission and found found them to be really highly deficient. Um, now, um, at that time, I felt that the treatment that he talked about was the priority, and 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 you know thought about that. As time gone on, time has gone on. I, I think the fact that there was data available about the efficacy of transmission from an incredibly credible source is actually more important. 
So in other words, uh, the the data that they had then in March of 2021 said that mm-hmm. this stuff, this vaccine would not prevent transmission. You've used the word deficient, but it's probably more than that yeah. because we've subsequently found out that Pfizer didn't even test for transmission, did they? So they, they wouldn't even know. The word deficient is being a touch kind, isn't it? Well... <laughs> In New Zealand, we've had, uh, you know, according to uh, the New Zealand government sources and credible world sources, about 2.5 million cases. Now, we're a highly vaccinated country. Now, you know, the word vaccine has traditionally meant that it's a, it's a, uh, an injection or a, a sip uh, for polio, something like that, that actually prevents the disease. Now, if, if we've had nearly half of our population have COVID in a highly vaccinated situation, completely, clearly transmission is an issue. Um, you know, we've had nearly 4,800 people die from this disease. And, and I wonder if most New Zealanders know that we're in the top uh, 30 countries in the world for cases per million and the top half of the world for deaths per million. And, and we're an isolated, uh, I mean, even our population, you know, we've got 19 people per kilometre, uh, per square kilometre in New Zealand. Everything's in our favour. And yet these are our actual results. Okay, so you have this information from your source in the United States at this company called Regeneron. Uh, The extremely comprehensive testing of the transmission efficacy of mRNAs against the COVID-19 variants was deficient. So you've got this information. It's March of 2021. Before the days of mass rollouts, before the days of COVID telethons, before the days of mandates, heaven forbid, Mm -hmm. what did you do with it? So... um yeah, I, I, I mean, I suppose I've got a, some voice or some credibility in the field of education, but, you know, I, I don't consider myself to be a health expert. But I thought it's something that health experts should know, and uh, they were provided or going to be provided with every opportunity to communicate with the highest level of uh, people, uh, experts, in the Regeneron company. Now, it's kind of hard for us to understand how good these people can be because we we don't have a pharmaceutical uh, industry in New Zealand, really. Um, we we don't have their capabilities. So they are very high experts in the field. So I communicated uh, initially uh, to, I mean, you, you send an email to um, Ashley Bloomfield and clearly you know that it's going to arrive at someone's uh, desk in his office. Um, And a lady called Maddie Matthews, I think, did exactly the right thing. She contacted me back. I asked for discretion, and we had a Zoom meeting on March the 29th, 2021. That's you and and her, you and Maddie Matthews, not not with Ashley Bloomfield. Yep. No. Um, But Ashley's responsible for his office. So, I mean, you have to take it that that's a communication with... Um, and, and keep in mind that our ministries are a part of our government. That's how we work in New Zealand. Um, the main point that I did feel I was communicating was about the treatment. 
Now, ultimately, I think in October, New Zealand did actually purchase the monoclonal antibody. Um, I haven't looked up how much was used. I'm not even sure if that, that that's available. Um, but clearly there was some communication at some point with Regeneron. Um, but as I look back, um, my major question is what did they – well, first of all, did they ask about transmission efficacy, which is an incredibly important question for the subsequent decisions our government made. Um, and if they did, what were they told? If they didn't, that has to be significantly negligent. So you've given them the information on a plate from Regeneron, from this very credible source inside the company that you trust implicitly, somebody who is very highly qualified, somebody who is working in the area of research and development in pharmaceuticals and who knows what the company is up to and you Mm -hmm. can trust this source impeccably and you have information from Regeneron who say we're not – developing a vaccine, unlike Moderna and Pfizer and heaven knows how many others as well, Johnson and Johnson, et cetera, we're not developing a vaccine because we think that mRNA vaccine does not work against the various strains of COVID. Is that it in a nutshell? Specifically to do with transmission and... um so you, I, I didn't ask about, uh, you know, what the effects really of the mRNA, mRNA vaccines were against, um, you know, how, 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 how badly people sort of developed the disease and things like that, because that in the end that wasn't included in what we were talking about with regards to mandates and vaccine passes and all that sort of thing. It, it was about transmission, um, you know, whether or not you could contract uh, and or pass on the disease if you'd had a vaccine. And so this information from this incredibly uh, high-level company was a key piece of data. Uh, if we require people to have a vaccine, then we must know that it's effective against transmission. And this, remember, is March of 2021. You had your conversation with Maddie Matthews, a senior advisor in Ashley Bloomfield's office, on March the mm-hmm. 29th, 2021. Correct. Well, it's all there in black and white for them. So did you think much more after that conversation about what they might do, about what you might do? When, when, nope. when did that conversation of two and a half years ago come back to... Um, Back to your mind, because why haven't you blown the whistles in the time since, uh, Elwin? Well, I kind of have in some senses uh, with people who I assumed were credible. So I guess um, I'd passed on the information. I'd been assured by uh, Maddie Matthews that it was being tabled and passed on to the appropriate people. I mean, I, I guess most citizens don't assume, well, first of all, incompetence. You know, we assume these people have reached a, a level because they're good at what they do. Um, I, you know, so I just didn't cruise on with life. I mean, I was living in the Bay of Islands. It wasn't a bad place to be um, 
isolated. <laughs> um, you know, not not so much happened. And then there was an unusual uh, event um, which sort of started to make me think a little bit. And that was I'd never watched any of the 1 p.m. updates. And then I thought because I had some tourism business up in the Bay of Islands, I'd, I'd watch one because apparently there was a couple, this isn't the people that Minister Hitkins called uh, street walkers or whatever he called them, there was a couple who were holidaying in uh, Northland who may well have tested positive. And so I thought, Philip, I better watch this one. Now, because of being involved in tourism, I knew where they'd be. Uh, it was it wasn't a sort of a rumor thing. It was you know detailed out to us, and we knew that they'd been in Whangarei for three hours, and we knew that they'd been at the warehouse. And so I'm watching this 1 p.m. update, and a, a reporter says, "Well, had they been to Whangarei? You know, as a big population centre." And Ashley Blomfield said, "Well, we don't have that information yet." And I just about fell off the chair. So I, I guess that was a little bit of a wow. Okay, maybe everything isn't quite as it seems. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess the justification of that could have been that they didn't want people to panic with things like that. But ultimately, you hope that the people in these positions are telling the truth. Okay. Um, Can I yeah. just bring, so, bring into the conversation here, uh, Elwyn, the, yeah. the, some correspondence that uh, Philip Crump, a.k.a. Thomas Cranmer, uh, Unveiled mm-hmm. through the Official Information Act, and he published this on a Substack back on the twentieth of March of this year. So this has been out in the public arena for months and months. Uh, yeah. I, I, I quote from uh, the MedSafe benefit risk assessment that it presented to Ashley Bloomfield. It said the benefit risk balance of Comirnaty, the COVID nineteen mRNA vaccine for active immunization to prevent coronavirus disease uh, is not clear. At this stage there is evidence only for short term protection and longer term safety data are lacking. However, experience with the vaccine is accumulated rapidly. So that was uh, that was from MedSafe to Ashley Bloomfield. But on the 10th of February, so before you communicated with uh, Ashley Bloomfield Elwyn. Yeah. Ashley Bloomfield had written to Chris Hipkins, who was then the Minister for COVID-19 response, and said, we do not yet have conclusive evidence on the effectiveness of the Pfizer vaccine at preventing or reducing transmission to be confident of the public health value of this vaccination beyond the individual level. And he then went on to say that uh, mandatory vaccination is unlikely to be a justified limitation of the right to refuse medical treatment under Section 11 of the Bill of Rights Act. So, in other words, before even you communicated with Ashley Bloomfield, uh, he had written to Chris Hipkins saying, we do not have conclusive evidence on the effectiveness of the Pfizer vaccine at preventing or reducing transmission to be confident of the public health value of this vaccination. I mean, it's all there, there, isn't it? It is. And I guess to some extent that that, uh, shifts the responsibility to our current Prime Minister. Um, and, you know, who would like to hide behind the fact that he was Minister of Education and all sorts of things. But at the same time, uh, I would, before I explain the next point, I, I, I would call on, you know, Sir Ashley Blomfield, you know, to come forward and, and, and I, I guess be a whistleblower. We, we, this was so important and will be so important in our history 
that to have the full truth of what went on is just incredibly important. Um, and and for a, for a nation to move forward, to have confidence, um, you know, we, we teach a kid, and goodness, I do this lots of times, but if you throw a ball through a window, but you front up, you, you say you did it, you were stupid, you made a mistake. Um, and and I, I actually almost think we're in that situation. Um, yeah. It's, it's amazing. So you, in uh, late March 2021, advised, the, uh, advised Ashley Bloomfield of your findings from your source at Regeneron. Uh, was oh. it around about this time when the subject of mandates was beginning to be talked about and Jacinda Ardern saying that there would be no forced vaccinations and those who choose to opt out won't face any penalties. In other words, there would not have, there would not yeah. be any mandates. Was it about this time that she made that public yeah, I, statement I, I as well? Think, I, think, I think that was a little earlier. So um, she actually said, you know, there would be no forced vaccinations, but those who choose to opt out won't face any penalties at all. And, and I mean that's a that's a really huge statement. And I took her at his word. Uh, took her at her word. Um, so again, as I, as I said, some of this uh, efficacy stuff was kind of. I mean, I, I know people like think front of mind, back of mind now, but it, it it wasn't something I thought really significantly about. And then I think the mandates were actually quite, in my mind, they were quite sudden. Um, and and so we found ourselves uh, in October uh, of 2022 when, when I'm going to say almost all of a sudden and against everything that we have worked for for so long in New Zealand in terms of informed consent, in terms of uh, privacy when someone's applying for a job, um, all of those kind of things, all of a sudden 40% of our working population was mandated to have a vaccine. And, um, you know, for Minister Hipkins to say that, you know, no one was compelled, uh, I have uh, a, a wonderful daughter-in-law in Auckland who had given birth and then two weeks later did the right thing as a registered teacher and when I had a vaccine was subsequently rushed to hospital with blood clots Um now, whether that's attributed to the vaccine or something else went wrong, you know, who cares? But her doctor then said, in my opinion, there is no way you should have the second shot. Well, that meant she was mandated out. She couldn't get an uh, exemption. Uh, her husband, my son, is an incredibly high-quality professional firefighter. I haven't asked him about vaccine. That's his own private business. But I can only assume that he followed the regimen. Um, so if he didn't, he had a wife without an opportunity to work in her chosen profession. He would have given up his chosen profession. They had a newborn baby. I don't know. I don't know what's compulsion if that isn't. And yet Hipkins is at the moment saying that no one was compelled. Well, you know, I, I think, to... yeah, that statement he made the other day was just despicable, just despicable, disgraceful, and frankly, a lie. It was untruthful because I'm, I'm thinking about the timeline here. In March of 2021, 
I, mm-hmm. interv- I interviewed a woman in Whangarei who was the breadwinner for the family. She had just yep. started a job at Customs, and she was mandated to have a vaccine at Customs. So this was in March of 2021. So the mandates uh, for certain public servants had started as early as this, certainly 18 months before teachers were mandated. So, right. so there were various uh, aspects of, of Customs, people at the border, uh, others in the public service, I think police might have been mandated around about that time as well. I, I can't remember the timeline. But but those mandates were coming in over a, an 18-month period, weren't they? And then some private companies got in on the act as well. After I quit at MediaWorks at Magic Talk, uh, the mandate came into that company. I mean, for heaven's sake, it's a radio station, but they they mandated people uh, to work uh, at a radio station. You had to be vaccinated. So, you know, I, I quit. I'd quit before that, but um, mm. I, I, it was obviously I was not long for that company anyway when I think back about it now. Uh, but tell me, Elwyn, you, you were at the time still a registered teacher, even if you weren't in front of kids in, in the classroom. So yeah. when that mandate came in, what did you do about your teacher registration? Well, uh, within a minute, I wrote to Leslie Hoskin, who's the CEO or head of uh, the Teachers' Council, which in theory is an, is an independent body. Uh, and I, you know, I said to her, look, I, I don't believe this is the way that we should be teaching, uh, treating teaching professionals. Um, I think we noted that there were rat tests available by then. And, you know, I've been in leadership positions in schools for a long time. And uh, whether a head of department or a principal, I've employed a lot of people and followed really strong protocols. So, for instance, I might have a, uh, you know, young, uh, relatively relatively newly married woman sitting in front of me. uh, And I can't ask her whether she intends to have a family. Uh, and, And goodness, that's important. Um, and, and there's a whole range of things about their history and their health history that cannot be a part of that conversation. And I think in one uh, moment, we undid decades of, of work. Now, if there was a compelling reason, maybe. And so I, what I said to Leslie was, uh, I mean, I called for her resignation in writing and uh, for the Teachers' Council to resign. And she re- replied that they hadn't behaved badly and that she won't be resigning. And I replied, well, to make that clear, produce the documentation that you as an independent body sought all advice possible on the efficacy of the vaccines for transmission. Because if you didn't, you haven't done your job, uh, and I haven't heard back. <laughs> and of uh, course, you knew you knew darn well from your source at Regeneron that that particular highly rated pharmaceutical company had found out through its own research that mRNA vaccines, unquote, uh, do not restrict transmission. If in fact it was ever tested for in the first place, as Pfizer later admitted in their papers. Correct. And, and, and Regeneron, by that time, wasn't by any means the only source that uh, transmission was being increasingly compromised. 
And and so you just had to look at it and say, well, actually, what is, what is this about? And so I, as I said, handed in my, my teacher's registration. And um, I had always thought about developing an online school for, for, for different reasons, uh, for kids with anxiety, for kids who are uh, geographically isolated and uh, for kids who are a bit quirky and don't fit within the system. And then on that particular, I thought, wow, now's the time to actually do it because not only has the technology improved, but those kids are still out there and suddenly we're going to have some of our best teachers told they can no longer be in the classroom. And and so, you know, I put it out there. And I, I guess from a personal, emotional perspective, I immediately had 250 people, uh, many of them absolutely extraordinary, who wanted to work in that situation. And I was stunned. Takura, you know, the correspondence school, mm-hmm. they mandated out their teachers, <laughs> even though they had no contact with kids. And... and you know, in retrospect, this was one of those stunning opportunities where 10 schools, it's all it would have took, should have gone together and said, no, we're not going to do that. You know, um, we look back historically at, at other countries where people have, where authoritarianism has kind of, uh, you know, gathered speed and said, well, why didn't it just a few people stand up? Well, that's what we were like. It would have just taken 10 schools to say, you know, no, I'm not mandating out this teacher. I spoke to one principal who had to mandate out, well, didn't, I don't think he had to, to be frank. He chose to mandate out a teacher who'd worked there for 40 years and had provided incredible service. I spoke to another school where a woman had come over to a decile one school uh, in a small Bay of Plenty town, by all accounts had made a world of difference uh, her visa for her family from South Africa was dependent upon a job and her principal walked in and said, keys, laptop, get out. And you had all of these ridiculous accounts of uh, of teachers not even being able to say goodbye to their classrooms. Now, if in the end that all falls on a premise that was never even investigated or was investigated and found to be false and then hidden, that's a very big deal. It's a seriously big deal. We have, as yeah. you know, a COVID, a so-called COVID inquiry underway at the moment. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether or not it's got the status of Royal Commission. I don't think it has. It's just the COVID inquiry because it's being led by an epidemiologist with a former cabinet minister in Hekia Parata and one other member whose name escapes me at the moment, we know that the scope of that inquiry is not particularly wide. And I suspect that the scope of the inquiry will not include or have the ability to hear evidence such as you have just put forward. Now, you said your conversation with Ashley Bloomfield's advisor, Maddie Matthews, on the 29th of March 2021 via Zoom mm-hmm. was, re- was recorded. So somewhere that evidence must still exist that you advised Ashley Bloomfield's office of the information you had from Regeneron. So there is no excuse. No, and, uh, you know, again, I would would call on Ashley Bloomfield to, I mean, he's Sir Ashley Bloomfield. He's acknowledged for his service to New Zealand. I honestly think the best service he could do 
for his country is to come forward and, and just be really honest about all of the things that happened. But you know that's not going to um, happen, Elwin. You know that is not going to happen because he is why not, it, not, not going to happen. Well, he's he is uh, well, he's involved with WHO uh, matters at the moment, and it's just not his style to to say that he was politically blocked. Uh, because that's essentially what appears to have happened. Either that, or he was captured by the fearmongering uh, of of the world. Because yeah. he he is a man of integrity, we would like to think. But there is so much evidence yeah. here, and he's had goodness gracious, Ellen, he's had um, untold opportunity to go public since he left his job at the Ministry of Health. He's had untold opportunity to tell the truth about what's gone on. Uh, there's been no sign of it, has there? So I just don't think he's he's going to open his mouth and and admit what he knew or tell tell the truth about what he knew. Well, I think this is a very precise opportunity um, because. But wouldn't it be the, better? The if, wouldn't it be better if we we took this um, Tony Blakely and Hekia Parata report with a grain of salt when it reports next year, as we will. But surely it's time for an incoming government, and Winston Peters has said this publicly, to go the the full Monty and let's have a proper, proper independent inquiry into our COVID response, Royal Commission status, uh, overseas judges to run the show. Let's find the absolute truth about what went on, what was said, what was available, what was told, what wasn't told at the time. I think that's incredibly important, and it's not—it's not vindictive. Uh, you know, I—I I could not do the job that these people do, but they've taken on the job, and therefore they are accountable and responsible for the actions that they took. Now, they should have nothing to hide uh, if they're confident that they acted responsibly, that they acted, uh, you know, without hiding data or not seeking data because it might counter the decisions that they were making. Then they have to be accountable to that. I mean, I I think of all of the people that I spoke to, and probably hundreds, who were mandated out. And as I said, when you spoke to Winston Peters the other day, and um, I don't know him well enough to give him huge credibility, but when he said one of the things that he's found out is that it's not so much about the vaccination; it was about the mandates. Uh, and and that's what that Wellington I'm, protest was all about. It it wasn't about uh, the the vaccination, yeah. the vaccine as such, and about what it may yeah. or may not do to you. It was about the mandates. That was that was why there was so much anger on the lawns at Parliament in February March of twenty twenty two. And if those, if we can find out that those mandates were imposed, either with knowing that transmission efficacy was very poor or with deliberately choosing not to find out about transmission efficacy, then to me that is a huge legal issue. And um, people shouldn't be protected from that. Uh, People have been impacted. People took their own lives because they lost their careers. Um, We we lost over 4,000 New Zealanders anyway through COVID. We're in the top 30 in the world for total COVID cases. So it must have dropped at some point that these vaccines weren't working. Um, People lost their careers, people lost their marriages, people lost their businesses. 
if that was done without an absolutely full uh, investigation into the efficacy of the vaccines, then it is an appalling stain upon uh, our Ministry of Health, upon Minister Hitkins, you know, Prime Minister Hitkins now. And uh, it, it needs to be opened up um, for, for the sake of the future of our country. Now, when you know that, I know that, but we need some political courage here. And yep. if there is going to be a change of government after the 14th of October, the two men likely to be in the most powerful places on current polling are Chris Luxon and David Seymour as leaders mm-hmm. of National and ACT. You know how yep. they reacted during that protest in Parliament in February, March of 2022. You know that Christopher Luxon just does not possess the political courage to install a royal commission into the COVID response, a fully a fully investigative COVID uh, response inquiry, which will cover anything and everything. So I, I really don't know where we go from here, uh, Elwyn. We can we can huff and we can puff, but yeah. we're not really blowing the house down until we get some courageous politicians in the game, do we? I think there's enough scope here for a, a high credibility uh, legal team to bring a case. You mean a class um, action? I, I think I do, uh, because you know, class action is predicated on a, a group of people being hurt, uh, whether that's financially, uh, emotionally, um, all of those kinds of things, because someone in a position of power. Uh, made a negligent decision. And I, I think there is enough evidence here. I mean, you quoted Thomas Kramner, uh, Kramner's um, work. Uh, there's enough evidence in, in what I've provided that someone can ask very strong questions. And, and our courts in New Zealand, you know, do still retain, and there's been some signs that they have made decisions when they're provided with clear evidence that contradict what happened during that time. And, you know, I, I, I honestly think Ashley Bloomfield and Chris Hipkins should be on a stand and um, under oath say exactly what happened. Probably the same with Jacinda Ardern. Um, but the second thing is I've, I've never met Chris, uh, Christopher Luxon. Uh, I, I, I don't know him. Um, um, I think he's doing a relatively effective team leadership job, whether he's inspired the nation or not, is obviously open to debate. Um, but for him and for David Seymour, who I you know do know reasonably well and probably disagree as much as I agree, um, they have an opportunity to say this wasn't fully disclosed to us, and and we started to hear some disturbing things. Um, rather than sweep it under the carpet, we agree on this occasion with uh, with St Peters and, and with other people that there needs to be an absolutely full and detailed. Investigation. We need to know everything, and and I guess the one person who can hold his head up high through all of this is Simon Bridges, who, um, you know, was a strong advocate for a ongoing, and uh, you know, select committee effectively into the government's COVID response, which again got shut down. Um, That's right. That was came- that was the the Zoom call that had numerous people uh, submitting in front of it. A lot of them. Were required. They were um, 
almost compelled to appear, weren't they? And to ask yes. questions. And people like Bridges did ask the questions. I just wonder, though, did they get honest answers, Elwin? Was a question along the lines of the information that you now know from Regeneron, was a question like that ever ever um, put to, to Bloomfield when he appeared in front of Simon Bridges' committee? I can't remember. Well, I, but I guess at least you had a situation where the questions were documented and then as time goes on, if the answers weren't accurate or there's counter-evidence uh, and we can show that people knew stuff that they decided to keep away from our population, um, then they can be held to account. But shutting down that committee effectively meant that they were making sure that they weren't able to be held to account. Yeah, they weren't being um, put under the spotlight. The thing that bothers me about a court case, Elwin, and we've just seen it in the case of Jenny Shipley and the Mainzeal directors, uh, yes. they, they put that process up for appeal and delay, and it went on for 10 years. The thing, yeah. the thing is, if you I, try I, and have a class action as big as this, it's going to go on for a decade, isn't it? At least. I, I, I guess. So I, I, I think your, your first priority, I, I, I think it's incumbent upon Ashley Bloomfield to come forward and say, you know, and he, he's been knighted for his work and things like that. Uh, I understand he's a, a person with a conscience, um, and, you know, you've revealed that he wrote to uh, Minister Hipkins and uh, expressed uh, his opinion that is actually significantly counter to the mandates that followed. Um, and, you know, we have, like most countries in the world, we have whistleblower legislation. This is, this is a moment in time. Um, who knows what happens in 10 years' time if we don't learn from it now? Uh, so that would be, to me, priority one. You know, actually come forward, uh, Ashley, and, and 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 tell us what happens and why. Um, and and then I guess the second thing is, as Winston Peters said the other day, that our inquiry into this and the let, let's say we end up with Christopher Lux and David Seymour and Winston Peters somewhere in the mix, that they say, look, you know, we're going to put everything on the table. I think that's the second priority. Um, and I guess the third priority is someone out there can see the legal opportunity um, to hold people to account. And, I mean, it's real. I, I, as I said to you, I, I spoke to so many people who had been mandated out of education particularly. Um, many of them were broken. It wasn't trivial for them. Um, there were decisions made by people, I guess, who were very safe in their occupations in Wellington. Um, who who felt that they were protected by the, uh, I guess, sociological flow at the time, who felt that they could keep things away from the population because it was for the, for the general good. But we have to look at this in so much detail um, and work out what exactly happened. And if in the end we find out that everyone acted appropriately and with high integrity, all the better. Um, and I'd be very open to that as being the outcome. Well, on the evidence you've produced today, Elwin, I suspect that would not be the outcome. Just saying, just saying. I, I, I yeah, maybe. But um, goodness, if if you've accepted these positions of authority and decision making, you have to be open and accountable to to what you've chosen to do, and you have to be able to say why.
Well, all right. I thank you for this, Elwyn. I think you've been brave. Uh, you have um, you have done the country a service by by telling this story, and I thank you for your time uh, this afternoon in bringing it to us. The question is, where, where do we go from here? Because uh, the change of government is really important. Maybe you can use your influence through your old friend David Seymour, the man who set up uh, the charter schools, and, of course, you were uh, an early uh, investor and an early operator of those charter schools. Maybe you can go back to him and push the case and say, look, David, I have this. Why don't you just have a wee change of heart, change your mind? Uh, what was that line that... Uh, Winston used in the interview I had with him the other day when he quoted Einstein, or no, not Einstein, he, he quoted an American president. He said, I, I changed my mind right. when I see new evidence, or words to that effect. Yeah, that, yeah. that's what he said. Look, yeah. I, I mean, credit, credit to David um, in that, look, I'll be honest, he he was almost as authoritarian as anyone else in, in that situation. You know, it's basically just get your vaccine, don't be an idiot, sort of thing. Um, he is a person who reflects. Um, and, you know, it's a bit bullshit at first, but ultimately he'll look at things and go, you know, maybe I got that wrong. Um, so that, I guess that's one point. And another point, you know, Peter, this, uh, you know, on, I'm going to write a piece on Kiwi Blog and other places, uh, uh, actually tomorrow because, uh, this is a, cele well, a celebration. That's the, exactly the wrong word to use. A commemoration of, uh, September 11th, 22 years ago. Uh, you know, where, where so many people lost their lives. And I've been to the memorial at uh, in, in New York, uh, I think, three times. Um, and, and always when people in a population are badly affected by things, we want to know every detail about why and how and what could have been done differently um, and all that sort of stuff. And we have had so many people in New Zealand damaged by this, people who couldn't go to funerals, um, people, as I said, who lost their careers, lost their jobs, lost their income, lost their lives, you know, through the, the level of distress that they had. Um, as a population, we deserve to know every single detail. Um, and in this situation, if there was an opportunity to find out something that was incredibly important and it either wasn't taken or was taken and information was found that was then subsequently not acted on, it's massive. Elwyn Poole, I thank you for your time this afternoon on Reality Check Radio, and thank you once again for exposing what I believe is a scandal. And <laughs> let, us, let us see if somebody has the political courage to do something about it. Thanks for your time, Elwyn. Great talking with you. We'll talk education again, I'm sure. <laughs> I've got some levers data coming out from every high school in New Zealand in the next two weeks. Well, so the, up the updated stuff from uh, the updated data from what you provided last, last year. year. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that will be interesting. And also, can I say on education, the Ministry of Education already have the term to uh, 2023 attendance data and the current minister Tanetti is encouraging them not to release it till November so that's that's worth putting some pressure on too you're not wrong there okay, okay. Elwin, Thanks, nice talking with you Elwin Paul here Peter. on reality check radio 
Peter Williams from 1 o'clock on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Right now, free speech is under heavy attack in New Zealand, with the government constantly devising new ways to enforce censorship. To revive honest media and support RCR, join our Foundation Membership Club today. To learn more, visit realitycheck.radio slash members.